Blog Talk Radio.
you know, I just had a meeting with someone um, because we're starting a new support group in Somerville, Massachusetts, and I'm sitting there and we're having the group meeting, and, and I said something like, you know, it's important to have supports in place for when life happens because if you remain in recovery long enough, like life is going to, to hit you. It's going to, and, and, it, and it all depends on your footing, right? When it happens, how hard you hit the ground. Like maybe you come back right, right away. Maybe it takes a little longer. Maybe, you know, and it all depends on what you have going on in place, right? Like how sturdy you are on your feet when that ball comes and it's going to come. <laughs> life is life, whether we're sober, whether we're in recovery or not. And so I think it's such an important topic because we don't, there's not a lot of talk about it. I feel like in a lot of the conversations that we have as a recovery community, it's like life was really hard when we were out there and now we're sober, so it's better. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like we missed a, like what? There's a disconnect there. <laughs> yeah, I think that we, I mean, a lot of that's to do with we don't want to give people the impression that you get sober and it's really awful. Because that's right. not true. But what I would kind of say yeah. is that, that that shit happens, whether you're drunk or sober. Yeah. And usually when you're, you're drunk, it's usually worse. But you're right. Shit does happen when you're sober. And because mm-hmm. I'm sober, I'm able to deal with it um, a lot better than I, I could if I was drinking or using. I'm able to have much more healthy and appropriate responses to what it is. And I'm able to deal with it better. But it's not to say that I don't go through the ringer a little bit right right well I think that's it I mean I'm not suggesting that not at all would I say that um, recovery is like painted in a negative light at all but it's real like things get real when you're you know I can't just I can no longer hide behind all sorts of stuff when I when I when the shit hits the fan right so I can't like like even recently, recently, like the the gluten thing, like I can't have gluten. I can no longer hide behind a loaf of bread when my life gets crazy. I can no longer sit, you know, and eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream because I can't do dairy anymore. So I feel like in the last 17 years, the pendulum has swung in all sorts of directions and life has continued to be life. Um, I'm no longer causing as much of the problem because I'm sober. I'm no longer running from the problem because I'm sober. But in, 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 in that, just alone, that means I have to stand and face whatever it is. And that's hard. Like, that will never be, depending on what it is, too. Um, like, the woman that I was having the meeting with is, is um, in the middle of a divorce. And so they're separated. And, and like, what is that? You know, if you entered into recovery married and then all of a sudden you're losing half of that partnership. Like what does that mean for your life and your recovery and yeah. like the routine and oh, it's just, there's always, I feel like something. Um, and so while I would say that yes, recovery is easier, it's not necessarily because life gets easier. It's because my responses to when life is hard um, are healthier. So I'm not like continuing the ball as like the shit storm. I'm not like participating in the shit storm. I'm not like putting cloud over my head and then complaining that it's raining on me, which is what I would do when I was drinking a lot. Um, but it means I have to show up. Like I have to like put my boots on and like, thr- like trudge through the shit and that's hard stuff. Um, mm. And so I think it's, it's so important to have like, whether it's a 12 step community or a non 12 step community or like, 
you know, your crazy cousin, sister's brother's aunt who is happens to be home, like whatever it is, to have that support when things happen is so vital. Like when, and I believe that when people say like, you can't do this alone, that's what they mean. Like life is still going to be life and my kids are still going to get sick. And sometimes they're going to act like jerks in public when I'm at stop and shop. And <laughs> I'm, you know what I mean? I'm like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I respond? Um, and so recovery has given me this toolbox where I can like have, I can like, I can, I can say, okay, I have to stop and pause and like look in the toolbox and see if I have anything that matches this, this situation and then use it. And then hopefully the situation turns out better than, you know, when I'm rest on my fear and I just, you know, throw the kids under my arm and run out of the store because then I don't get groceries and everyone's judging me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, so, I mean, do you want to talk about like, what are some of the hardest things that you've gone through? Oh, well, yes, but it's not very, I would say that they're not necessarily typical things. Um, so, I don't think anything's typical. I don't think any of them, well, you know. N- well, I'm saying, like, when I was eight years sober, like, my, one of my boyfriends that was in, in program tried to kill me. Um, I would say that was pretty difficult Whoa, to yeah. uh, wrap my brain around. Um, and then, you know, like, I, it was the, the uh, my support system got really gossipy. Um, and so it, it's just a horrible kind of an experience. Um, all around. So I'd say that was probably the hardest thing that I faced. Um, but also when kind of the cloud and dust clears and you realize like even though I've been sober for so long and even though I've, you know, worked through a, like a 12-step program and helped other people and all that stuff, that there's still stuff going on, that there's still stuff about me that I don't necessarily like or there's still, I still have work to do. And you know, making that decision that I'm going to continue to kind of trudge through that stuff and walk through that stuff, even though I don't necessarily have to, or I don't know, does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. the fact that, um, like, I don't know, like I'm adopted. And so um, I keep pretend, I keep forgetting that I don't want to search for my birth mother because it's so painful for me to do like the fact that, that um, I paid my adoption agency $500 to go and search for her and the fact that they sent her a certified letter and the fact that I know that she got it and the fact that she didn't respond is hurtful, right? Because it's like a, the reje- I paid $500 for a rejection. Um, but knowing that all that I do know and have learned in my recovery, I know that that's not a personal rejection because she doesn't know me. Like it can't possibly be personal. It has to be whatever's going on with her. Um, but I keep forgetting that I don't want to go there. Right. And so I have to take a look at why I keep doing that. Like why I keep torturing myself with this thing. And so I've decided to go back to therapy so that I can have somebody else shrink my head. Um, but you know, just stuff like that, just stuff that's like, bothersome it's not like ruining my life but I don't want to wait until it does you know like I don't want to wait until this moment where I'm like oh my god like you know and taking action before I actually have to before things get really bad and you know that for me is really um that's exactly what we're just what what I was uh talking about is that you know 
drunk or sober, you're still going to be adopted. And right. and the fact the fact that you did that, which I can't imagine the emotions you had to go through to kind of get that point, and then you know you got nothing back. Is that's the difference between recovery and being an active addiction? Is that you were able to understand, even with a, if it's a struggle, that that was never personal. She just doesn't right. know who you are. She doesn't know how fabulous you are, and mm. has a million different reasons. I can't, you know, whatever's going on with her, and and you know, I'm sure back in the day that would have been something that you would have had a really good drink on. Oh, please. I used to, like, create situations that I would need to drink about, and that was totally, like, my mother never loved me, and I yeah. was, I, I, there's something innately wrong with me. I've been unlovable since birth, so blah, 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 blah. Like, I've definitely, um, I've run the, I mean, I, I drank because it was Tuesday, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really need to create any kind of spectacular reasoning behind my drinking, um, but that was a one that I used quite often and I just sought sympathy from other people and and especially when I was poor and I didn't have money to buy my own drinks because that worked really well (laughs) (laughs) oh it's good we can laugh today um but yeah but stuff like that like I, I mean so even after the you know like the personal image, the, the intense personal inventory, even after all that stuff, like even after years in talk therapy, even after being, I, I mean, I've, I've gone to any length to like get inside my own mind. Um, and like I spent $150 per session on hypnotherapy um, and had like in-depth conversations with my subconscious mind and like did all this stuff to figure out what was wrong with me. And I've honestly, I've reached this point rather recently over the past like two weeks where I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop digging for a few and just allow myself to be messy, which is really interesting. Um, But there's like beauty in being broken, right? I really do feel like that. I feel like there's beauty in um, everything that I, that's wrong with me. If, if we were to, you know, not that there's anything wrong with me, but, you know, all the things that I can list right now, if you were like, what's wrong with you? I'd be like, let me get my list. And I could probably rattle off a bunch of stuff for the next hour about all the things that are wrong with me. Um, But I've, you know, and I've been reading like self-help and, you know, and hypnotherapy and um, meditation and like all this stuff, which is great, but it's also over, I'm on overload. Right. And I'm like, there's a point where it becomes like too much, right? Where I can't like, I realize that I'm addicted to finding out what's wrong with me so that I can be better, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense when you step back and think about it. But um, that's what I've been doing, like running myself ragged, trying to figure out what's wrong with me, if only to then fix it. And so I've decided over the past couple of weeks that I'm, I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm enough. I'm okay. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. And that I'm going to stop digging for a little while and just bask in the glory of being broken. I'm just going to enjoy, like, I'm not going to talk to death about, like, you know, because we, we have friends, right, that I have a, a friend who is also adopted who has made it her life's mission 
to like figure out why our brains are so screwed up and like did we have a seizure when we were separated from our mother? Did we do this? Did we that? And every time I talk to her, it's very, like, I'm tired afterwards. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I need a nap because I feel like we have just gone, whoa. Like, it's, it's heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, and I haven't necessarily been able to just enjoy where I'm at. Like, I've, I've, I've gone pretty far into the stuff, and, and I'm okay. Like, and I don't know if that means that I found some sort of balance between – you know, the work that I've done and, like, just being okay, um, if there is such a thing as balance in that arena. But I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense or just babbling, but I feel like um, that it's okay for me to just be anxious and not have to, you know, go seven layers deep to figure out why I'm feeling this way. I can just be anxious, allow myself that, and then move on. What do you think is your, like, from all of that, what do you think your biggest takeaway was, the biggest lesson that you learned? That I'm, that I'm enough. Like, honestly, because this is all, I feel like all of this stuff, like the search for my birth mother, the drinking, the, um, the, date, like the dating fiascos that I've had in recovery, like trying to find the right guy, trying to find the right job, trying to find this thing that will would make everything make sense or make everything okay or explain why I'm such a mess or whatever, all of the stuff that, that it's, it's been the search for okay, right? And, and realizing that none of that stuff would, none of that stuff makes me not okay. Like, I, you know, being adopted doesn't mean anything to my life other than, you know, like my life started out a little bumpier than other people I went to. Um, I was in a foster home for the first five months of my life. I don't know what that did to my brain. Does it really matter? I don't know. Um, But to be able to, like, pull the strengths from all of that stuff. Like, I don't need to harp on the fact that when I was eight years sober, I had a boyfriend that tried to kill me. What I can do is realize that I survived that moment. I was never a victim. I was a survivor. And pull from that all of this great stuff that I've learned about myself since that moment and almost not necessarily be grateful for that event, but not necessarily hold it accountable for the destruction of my, the rest of my life. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I can, I can look at the bad stuff or the things that I would consider to be wrong or bad and find some positive in there. Like the fact that I didn't drink when that happened, the fact that I, you know, didn't take the gossipy stuff and make it, and use it as an excuse to drink. The fact that I, um, you know, I'm like, I've been notorious probably the first six or seven years of my recovery of like getting overwhelmed with life and checking myself in somewhere. Right. Cause that's how, that's my response. Like, I'm like, okay, I can't do life. I need to go somewhere because I need someone else to watch me. Like I'm definitely not safe, yada, yada. And what I've learned is that that narrative is very, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I can't handle life. It's that, that like red flag, okay, you've reached your limit. And so instead of checking myself in when that happened, I took it, I took a huge step back and I just surrounded myself with more resources. Like I doubled up on therapy. I went twice a week. I found a a trauma focused therapist who, you know, we were going to talk about stuff like, um, and you know, that's so great. That's so great, Julie, just to mention that, um, you know, I, 
even you know the 17 years that we have it's like you're never there's always stuff that comes up and you just have to use these tools you know I kind of my life is just so much better blah 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 blah. you know that try like it's so much better it's such a miracle all that kind of stuff you know last year I went to see a therapist because I just knew I was not in a good place and I knew if I let that go on I would get in a much worse place plus I love therapy Mm -hmm. Um, yes. And I just knew I needed to go and get some support. And I knew it would help me. And I knew it would help me feel better. Mm-hmm. And what's different today is that, and I still struggle with things that are beneficial to me, like for some, whatever reason, I don't know what it is. Like if something makes me feel good, I don't necessarily want to jump on the bandwagon and do it as many times as I can. I like, I'm like, oh, I could do that thing. I'll, let me just put that in the toolbox. Um, and so when I was drinking, I think there was a lot of that, you know, where I, I didn't really want to play with a lot of things that made me feel good that required work outside of drinking and complaining about my life and getting sympathy and drinking. Um, and so now in recovery, I can take the action. Like I have the energy for whatever reason and motivation because I know I think that's just because, like, I have the, my track record in, you know, like, when I feel like shit and I take action, I feel better. Now, with the depression, it's not always easy to, like, you know, I love it when people say, oh, you're feeling depressed, just go for a walk. And you're, I'm like, um, maybe you've never been depressed, but I'm definitely not going to go for a walk. <laughs> I'm in bed. Um, and just the fact that I'm telling you that I'm depressed is my action for the day. Thank you very much. Um, but, you know, it's being in a habit of doing these positive things for myself has been a slow process and I, I don't know what it's been over the past probably five years where I realized that I'm worthy of that self-care and I don't know again why that is and I don't have to like I don't have to spend too much time trying to figure it out I can just be happy that I'm here you know that I'm happy that like when the shit hits the fan I know that and I know that I need to go talk to somebody that I can pick up the phone and make that appointment and when I don't get it done I can leave a message and then when they call me back I can answer like stupid ridiculous, simple stuff like that, that I would, that would have taken setting up an, a, an appointment for therapy when I was drinking would have taken like five years mm-hmm. saying, cause I would have like, I would have called somebody and the, I wouldn't have liked their voice. So I would have had to go back and get my insurance and find a, get a, a list of five more people and then call them and oh, they're not available. They're probably not going to have time for me. All of this negative self, like all this talk in my head before I'd even connected with somebody and I don't have that noise in my mind anymore. And so I'm able to, or when I do get, when it does come in, I know what it is. I know it's noise. And I can just push it aside and say, like, okay, um, all right, mind, go so crazy somewhere else. We're going to make this phone call and then do it. So I have an appointment on Friday at 1 o'clock, and I'm pretty sick. Can't even wait. <laughs> That's Woo-hoo. great. Yeah. That's really great. Um so I'm just trying to think of another question to ask you. Are you still well, what there? about you? I'm here. Well, the, hard, the hardest thing that I've gone through? Yeah. Um, I think there's two things. Um, when, uh, so when I was about six years sober, um, I was on vacation with my best friend in sobriety. She was my soul sister. And while we were there, she got her appendix ruptured and she went, she was in the hospital and they had to operate etc etc and um i had to stay there longer because she was uh, she had some other health complications and um 
eventually I, I had to come home and her family went out. And I had uh, this blind date set up with my husband, the man who was going to be my husband. And I was very, obviously very distracted and not really kind of thinking about it. And I knew that Heather would want me to go. And it was, we, he lived in America at the time. And it's, we'd just spent so long trying to get this one date set up. And I was kind of like, oh, right, whatever, I'll go. And um, I think it was the Saturday, the, the date was on the Monday. And on the Saturday, on the Friday, her brother called me and, and told me that she wasn't pulling through. And that was a big shock because I didn't, really wasn't expecting that. And then on the Saturday, he called me and said that she was doing a lot better. And that's when I decided to go on the date with my husband. I went on the date with my husband on the Monday. And um, we both sat down to dinner and knew that we would get married. I mean, we didn't say that, but we both knew that. And then yep. she died on the Tuesday morning. Oh. And um, I, yeah, so I just, it was a very, I'm, I'm so glad I was sober. I mean, you know, it's like kind of what we were talking about, the way, you know, the way that I used to use stuff, really use stuff to milk the self-pity and the drama mm-hmm. and the attention and, and like great big fucking excuse, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. listen to my story of woe. Yeah. And and a lot of us have some real stories of woe, you know, we really do. Yeah. And um, And I remember feeling like when I heard the news um, after I hung up with her brother, I remember just thinking like, I just thought of God and I just thought, fuck you. You have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. And then I, I could kind of, I almost picture her in my head, kind of like, I just all of a sudden this picture of her came into my head and she was kind of laughing and like running through this like field. And she had um, lifelong arthritis from when she was a teenager. So she was very stiff and her movements were very difficult. And um, so I had this picture of her, you know, she was moving and running and, and I just heard her laughing and I just thought, oh, she's okay. Mm-hmm. She, she's, she is okay. Where she mm-hmm. is, she is okay. And this is just about missing her. And right. this is just how that is right now. And it was a very interesting experience because I had met my soulmate at exactly the same moment as mm. losing my soul sister. Mm. And I learned a lot about myself during that time when I was grieving her I realized that grief there was something I I fully kind of embraced it I I really Mm -hmm. when it's the first time I've had I had people like my dad died when I was 18 and I don't think I sort of grieved him in bits but I was not remotely attached to any feelings Mm -hmm. when he died Mm -hmm. but I really was I was so connected to how I felt in that moment when she died and I, mm-hmm. I just felt, and I realized how that grief was a very, very beautiful thing because it mm-hmm. validated our relationship. And yeah. this was the price, and that was okay because the relationship was so beautiful and meant so much to me that mm-hmm. the loss of it, this, this was unavoidable, and I was okay with that, if that makes sense. It does and absolutely. Have you seen the Have you seen the movie Collateral Beauty? No, I don't think so. It rings a bell though. With, it's with Will Smith. It is absolutely like I loved it. My husband hated it, but he's not. Really? He's, it was more like it was very chick flicky. Yeah, <laughs> he loses he loses his daughter, and oh, it's about his like I, I can't even imagine. But he it, it's about um 
he's really angry with time, love, and death. Um, and he writes these letters weekly to time, love, and death. Like, just these really angry letters. Like, you took this from me. You stole this from me. This, that, and the other. And his, it's just an amazing movie. Like, I watched it again the other day and just cried because there is, like, this woman is sitting in this in this um, hospital waiting room and, this, and, and she's crying. And this woman next to her says, who are you losing? And she says, I'm losing my daughter. And she said, um, be aware. No, what does she say? Um, be sure not to miss the collateral beauty. And it doesn't make sense to her then, but she talks about it later that, it, you know, there was this, this intense connection to everything. That morning her daughter brought her closer to, like, she just felt connected to everything. That, I don't know, and I, have, I think that, that I get that, right? Like, when, when you, we go through these things or we lose people, and it, like, regrounds me, right? Like, and, and how grateful I can be for the opportunity to have even known that person and to have loved them and, have, and have had, to have had them allow me to love them back. Because um, that's the shit, right? I mean, really, when, you, when, when we think about what we're doing here on this planet, like, I know my purpose in this life is, to, is relationships and to be able to have, I mean, to be able to lose them means that I've, I've been able to have them and, and when I was drinking, that was, I mean, I couldn't do that. And so when you said, thank God I was sober, like just, I don't know how many times I've said that, right? Like, thank God I was sober. Thank God I was sober. Mm. This, this, all of this, like these, these things, you know, and, and relationships are just a setup at some point because we're going to like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been, um, it's been quite a journey. Um, of love and loss and all of those things and to hear you just talking about that relationship like that's um, that's incredible like how incredible to have had such an impactful relationship with somebody else on this earth like that's just wow and and it really it was very I I feel like with my relationship with my husband I had spent you know many many years with highly dysfunctional toxic relationships and Mm-hmm. I, I really, in, in my sobriety, I was I was six years sober when I met him. So I I was really um, every relationship that I was in, I, I was learning more and more, and I was having so many breakthroughs. So when I finally met him, and he's really the opposite of, you know, I never in a million years would have put us together. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, I, it everything that happened before had prepared me for for him, and. Um, I remember feeling at the time that um, it really kind of shook up my priorities, that really the only thing that matters is is the people that you love in your life and spending as much time with them as possible and just making your life count. And, and everything else is just really, really silly details. And I think it, it really, you know, uh, I, I I never had any fear going into that relationship and I always had so much fear and, I think maybe, you know, her dying had something to do with that. You know, I still think, I think of her a lot and I sometimes think, gosh, you know, she came back, I'd have so much to tell her. (laughs) So much has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, and I just wouldn't have been capable of those lessons. I mean, I just, 
Oh, right. I can't even imagine the drama I would have spun out of that and made it all about me. And then, and, yes, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Absolutely. Like, I lost my friend. Feel sorry yeah. for me. I can't yeah. do it because I lost my friend. How many opportunities yeah. I would have missed out on because you don't understand my pain. Well, that was – and when this thing happened, when my, when my, um, when my boyfriend tried, attempted to take my life, here's, here's where the collateral beauty came in in that scenario. So I'm, I'm I don't know, so I'm eight years sober. Um, I have had – at that point, I had had three failed suicide attempts. Um, when I say failed, I mean but, you know, that sounds ridiculous. But I had tried to, to end my own life three times, um, twice drinking and once in sobriety um and and then and I'm thinking like that I'm surviving this life right I'm I'm depressed I'm I'm anxious I have this personality disorder life is hard I am I'm sober now but still like it's just it's a lot of work sometimes um yeah. and so while it while recovery is totally worth it and I don't want anyone to hear me say that it's not it's a lot of work sometimes and and especially when you have a traumatic history or especially when, you know, you have mental illness, things that are out of my control, just like what you were saying. Like, I feel like my life is spiraling and I get, or, or, or but, you know, I don't know, not my life, but sometimes I do go there. Right. Um, that, that, that there's so much going on all the time and I'm easily overwhelmed. And, you know, sometimes just putting a load of laundry in the, in the washing machine can just like throw me over, which is ridiculous, but valid. When, when that's what trauma has done to my brain. Like I just can't handle a lot of stuff. Um, and so I'm sitting here, I'm sitting there in the office of the, uh, my therapist and I'm think, and he, and he brings up these things. He brings up the fact that, um, that I have like wanted to be gone. I have like wanted to die. I've wanted to take my own life uh, three different times on three separate occasions in my life. And then spent my, this life, like, kind of feeling like I'm existing, just going from one day to the other. And then this, this man tries to take that away from me, and what did I do? And my response was, I fought. I'm going to get upset. I'm going to get, like, emotional. But so I fought for, my, for this life. And so that, the beauty in what happened was that I realized that I wanted very much to live and that if any, like, that, that this life is, is my life is worth, living and that um that I wasn't going to let anyone take that away from me and you know my last my last thought that day when I thought that he was going to succeed in taking my life was my daughter like what's 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 Corinne going to do like what's what about Corinne and and it I think that propelled me into a better relationship with her after that day like so that she would not so that if something did happen to you, that she would never wonder if, like, how much I loved her or, you know, because mm. I'm in that spot and I'm thinking, like, is it, this is it. This is the end. And how many, like, does everybody know that I love them? Does everybody, like, what's, you know, do, how many resentments do I have? And so when something like that happens and then I just realized, like, I, it just kicked me into gear and made me realize that even on my most depressive, anxious-ridden, horrible are you fucking kidding me? I can't believe, I can't even, you know, God, what is your problem with me? Like what day? It's, it's worth the effort no matter what, you know, that, that even on my worst day, that the ability to live it is where it's at. 
And so I don't know. It, it was it was a transformation that I can't. I'm probably doing a horrible job of explaining, but it was such a meaningful moment in my life, having spent my entire life this like depressed, suicidal girl, and then having somebody try to take my life and fighting to you know fighting for it with all my might. Um, and so it, even in the worst situations that I have endured, like there is something positive that can be taken out. And that's so shitty to say to somebody when they're in a, a moment. I'm, don't please don't ever say that to somebody who's like, I'm not talking to you, Veronica, but like people out there, like if somebody's in the shit, like don't necessarily be like, oh, there's totally beauty here. Here it is. Um, yeah. 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 Moment, but, <laughs> but, but wait for that. Like wait for them to have that moment where they're like, oh, well maybe this and then, and then try to encourage. You know, the other thing I absolutely fucking hate is when people say this all, this all happened for a reason. Like someone said that to me about my friends. Like I was telling the story about, you know, I met my husband and these things were very entwined. And like, she's like, wow, that will happen for a reason. I'm like, what? No. She didn't die right. for this reason. Like, right. that is the most <laughs> oh insane thing I've ever heard. And I know, like, I know so many people really struggle with what to say when someone has died or something yeah. difficult has happened. And I know they just mean well. And I know their intention is good. And I understand all that. But please don't ever say things just happen for a reason because that's just such a load of bollocks you know yeah, it's, it's a punch in the face no, or yeah the, or that the person's in a, in a better place like especially if it's a child or like if there's no that's the place like I want that place is me in my arms but that place for my child even when I'm 179 and my kid is whatever I'm not going to do the math but like their their place is in my arms and so I you know but I really want you to see this this movie because he goes he, he like he's yelling at death and he's like saying all this stuff. Like I know all the sayings. Like she's in a better place, and she da 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 da. And it all happens for a reason. And nothing happens in God's world by accident. And blah blah blah. And he's like, but guess what? She's not here holding my fucking hand. And it was a, oh brilliant. Like my tears are just streaming down my face because I'm like, yeah. It was just because, and I, you're absolutely right. People just don't know what to say. And so my, I, I always just go with the whole like, if you don't know what to say, it's okay to just be quiet. <laughs> sit there and just like hold their hand or like rub their back or like let them cry on your shoulder hand them a tissue whatever you got to do but if you're like struggling with what to say to somebody who's in that space who's grieving who's like angry because we all we're all allowed those stages of grief and anger is one of them and if you don't want to be the on the receiving end of somebody who's grieving then maybe you know wait a couple weeks before you start with the cliches um yeah, I I kind of hate that stuff as well. I I uh, I'm never going to be able to watch that film, Julie. I can't watch any movies about something awful happening to children now. I just can't do it. Can't. I'm just like literally come apart at the seams. So I'm sure, well, see, like maybe see, in twenty it years. Happen, it, it, yeah, it doesn't happen I just, in the movie. Like I know, you don't but see it, what happens? So you don't. I know. Mm. I know. But like, I mean, no, I, I don't. I, I don't want. I mean, I know. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking I don't want to have this conversation, but I mean, uh, the, the one thing that I can't even comprehend overcoming is anything happening to my children. And right. I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. But then I'm like, so many people in recovery are going through that is stuff is happening right. to their children and they've lost yes. their children. And yes. um, I have seen a couple of people go through that and live through that and stay yes. sober and find yeah. and and find meaning again in their lives, mm-hmm. but um, it will forever 
it forever changes them. It. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I just don't, I can't, yeah, I, I don't, please God, that I'm never tested in that way. I I say that prayer almost every day because yeah. I, every, I have anxiety. I have like really terrible anxiety. And every time my family leaves the house, I think the horrible things. Like I, I, I I think that it's what if that's the last time I'm going to see them? What would I do? And then I like start planning. Like it's awful. This it's like hashtag anxiety. This is what it's like to live with anxiety. Um. So yeah. No. I. Yeah. <laughs> I like to try. Like I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm very messy. Very messy lady. And uh, I, you know, just but, I mean, the people that I've seen who 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 are living through that, and if if anyone's listening and they're living through that, my heart absolutely goes out to you. And the people that I've seen who, I I, I don't want to say get through because I don't think you ever get. I don't think you. I don't think you ever get to a place where. I mean, like I lost my best friend, and she lives with me, and I'm sad and I miss her, but it's just completely different to losing a child. And um, right. but the people I did see who who were able to get through that and and um go on to live a productive life i guess um are the ones who dug very 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 deep and got a lot of help and yeah um and were able to you know i think use their what happened to them you know turn it around and use it to help other people that's how i've mm-hmm. seen people overcome it i don't know if there's any other way you know so if anyone is going through that i really would like to say that we are thinking of you and you must get some help and support with that because it's too much for one person to deal with. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't, I honestly am am just in the same boat as, you know, you, I cannot, um, I hope I, this is, there, there are probably three things on my list of if that ever happens, I don't know. I can't, I don't know what, what my reaction would be. I, I can only hope that I would um, jump into uh, resor- like resources and trying to find myself support. I can only hope that. Um, and so that, that is definitely on the list. Uh, and, you know, I had a friend when I was pretty early in recovery who said to me, um, there's nothing that you can't get through sober. And I, I'm like, you know, and I, of course, I called upon those three things. And I'm like, what? And she said, if ever you find a reason that you're pretty sure that you, you know, if, if anything, something happens to you and you're unsure, she said, I will put you in touch with somebody who has been through that very thing and who has remained sober through it. And that was so powerful to me, like, because I, I, I believed her. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that this, that this recovery community is so large and so powerful and so um, just incredibly resilient that there are people all over the place that are experiencing tremendous and like just incredible things and getting through that a day at a time by doing what they have to do, whether that's just putting one foot in front of the other or asking for help or receiving the help that they ask for or just putting their hand out um, and or raising their hand and saying like I'm in pain, uh, and I don't. I really think that we don't talk about that enough. Like as a recovery community, like that that um, that there is you can be in a tremendous amount of pain in recovery and not pick up, you know. And that 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 happens all the time. Um, and that you know, 
on the flip side, like, you know, if, if I were to, you know, if something were to happen and I were to pick up that I, I would hope in my mind that I would have enough people in my corner that, um, that I could, bounce, you know what I'm saying? Like, and get right back on the horse. I mean, I don't know, but wow. Yeah. So don't watch that movie then. Don't watch it no, because you will be no. in here. I, like I, yeah. For me. Oh my God. It's like, like, I just can't, there's so many uh, movies and books and stuff like I, I, I just can't watch anything like that. We went to see Dunkirk recently and I really wanted to go and see it. Um, but I was even then I was like, I just don't know if I can take seeing all these awful things happening to all these young men. I mean, some of them still teenagers. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, since becoming a mother, that's just completely, I'm just a wreck. And I know most, most mothers are like, that. yep. Absolutely. And so, so um, sorry, go on. Go, no, go ahead. Um, well, I just wanted to, if we have a little bit of time left, I just wanted to see if you wanted to just say a little bit about what's going on with Sober Mommies and the fundraiser you're doing. When does that end? It ends tomorrow. Oh, so okay. we were, yeah. So we were um, accepted to participate in the Macy's Charity Challenge. And mm-hmm. it's a, like a, just a bunch of charities um, fundraising. And, uh, you know, whoever raises the most money is going to win $100,000. Um, I have I lowered our goal yesterday from 50000 to five <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that we're, pro- we're definitely closer to five than we are 50. Um, and so um, anybody who donates $5 or more will be given a 25% off Macy's shopping pass. Um, coupon and also be entered into a um, a drawing for one of ten five hundred dollar Macy's gift cards um, and yeah and so we're just we get to keep the money that uh, whatever we raise and so it's all going to go into expanding our mission um, paying for the rent uh, paying rent for this office space that I've just acquired which is pretty exciting um, and. Yeah, and growing our our space and growing our, you know, all the things and reaching as many moms in recovery as we possibly can. Um, and so that's uh, www.crowdrise.com front slash Macy's hyphen challenge is the website to go and to, um, to donate. And we appreciate any and all donations. Um, and I'm just, like, I'm really excited just to have, you know, like, I've been funding this organization out of my pocket for three and a half years. And so just watching that, you know, like, I've been crying a lot. Let me just say that, just in gratitude of all wow. these people who have, thought, you know, gone out of their way to, to make this donation and make this happen. And just to watch that number go up and the, and the messages that people are leaving, like, in um, – People are, are dedicating the money, their, their donation to people that they've lost or people that they're celebrating that are in recovery. It's just very moving, and um, it's been a very and, and emotional your, month. And your, your goal is with Sober Mommies to professionalize it so you can provide more targeted support for mothers. Is that the goal? Yes. Yep. I want to hire um, more recovery coaches um, and just have some more fundraising events and um, providing, I just want to bring more mothers together and whatever we can, whatever capacity we can do that. Um, and so more groups, which is what we, 
now we'll be starting one in Somerville, Massachusetts at Column Health, which I'm so excited about. Um, they were psyched. Um, and, you know, to, to spring up other groups all over the country um, and then possibly throughout because our global group, our global group, sorry, um, I mean, we have women from all over the place, South Africa, Ireland. Like, it was, um, it's just incredible. The, the, the women wow. that we've been able to, to touch. Like, I would love to have groups all over the place, like, for it to be as accessible as, you know, 12-step programs or whatever, like, just to have a book. Like, oh, it's Monday. Where's their sober mommy's group? Like, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, that would be amazing. Again, just, I, you know, just in, in terms of, I mean, like, I don't know what, the, I think it's like 2% of the people who actually need to go into treatment actually get into treatment. But mothers, it's even harder. Most, I mean, yeah. I worked in the treatment industry and I can't, tell you how many times I've assessed women and we talked about their options and it's just like they just don't have any option for who's going to look after their children they just right. and and the facilities that where you can take your children with you are very few and far between and um you know they have unique problems and, and challenges so this is just really so vital to get you know I did the I was just thinking you know it's changing so much you know just like so many, you know, we've talked about like so many sober bloggers out there and like, I can't imagine what it would have been like, like when I got sober, I got sober in 2000. So, I mean, the internet was there, but it wasn't really like how it is now. Right. Like I can't right. imagine going online and seeing like, not only yeah. like all these, it's it, for me, what's so great is like, it's all these people are talking about drinking and sobriety and so many people are just being like, it's really cool, which is great. You know, with this, like, yeah. there was no positive... Yeah, there was no positive sober role models. That's always been my biggest kind of bugbear mm-hmm. is like we have, yes. you know, all of the rock bottom stories and we have all of the, and we do, you know, there's some high profile people in recovery who who talk about that and that's wonderful. But I just like think we need to get like, we need to have a flood of just regular sober folk who are dealing just like we're talking about dealing with life and the shit that happens and dealing with it yep. sober and it's just like I can't imagine what it must be like for someone just getting sober and going online and seeing all this. Whereas when we got sober, yeah. it was still like everything was so secret. I right? didn't even have a, a cell. I didn't even have a cell phone. Like I no. think people are so funny when when they discuss, you know, like I'm like when I got sober, like there was they I didn't have a cell phone. I had a pager. I had a fluorescent <laughs> pink pager uh, that. It, and I thought I was big and bad because it was one of those pages that you could actually leave a voice message, but that was like it. Um, yeah. And so I didn't, we didn't have access. We still had dial up for crying out loud. I feel like there was no like Wi-Fi and like you could get it anywhere. Like I, I didn't, it, it felt more secret. Like, I feel like I, I felt like in 2000 when I got sober, like it was like, it was supposed to be hush hush or, that I was yeah. supposed to like go away and get well and then reintroduce myself back into society where I feel like now, you know, we can watch the process. Like um, Harmony Hobbs, like she is, is writing on her blog and um, she like got sober and she's writing about her process and like when sobriety sucks and when it doesn't and what she's going through and all that stuff. And so people that have been following her um you know, drinking wine or doing whatever and now watching her in her recovery, like, I just think that's, it's incredible. Like, one of the women from She Recovers on the Bloggers, they started 
on day one too. I forget who it was. Who was it? But they started like blogging on day one. Like this is where I'm at. I'm not drinking today. Oh, and Jean um, from Unpickled. Oh yes, that's right. And I yeah. can't even imagine that to be like that would have been. I would have loved that because I, I. I don't know. But but to be able to be inside of the mind of somebody, you know, because it's not always beautiful. And I think that that's like you know, the name of our podcast is The Real Deal. It's so important to mention, like, like recovery is not always awesome. It's definitely hard work, hard work, but it's also, it's totally worth it. Like, the work is, and, and the payoff is great. It's much greater, in, in my opinion, than when I was drinking. But, um, and I'm able to just experience all the things which I didn't want to do when I was drinking. I was, like, working very hard, actually, not to experience many things. Um, but, I mean, it's really – recovery has opened the door to, like, limitless possibilities. Like, I run a nonprofit organization. What? Like, I'm sorry. What? Like, I can't – I mean, I was – in 2000, I was homeless. I was, like, couch hopping, like, living in a homeless shelter um, in May of 2000. Living in a homeless shelter. Hi. Calling my dad. Crying. Wow. Having him hang up on me. Like, you know what I mean? And so it, the fact that, like, didn't have custody of my daughter um, – couldn't carry on a relationship to save my own life. Um, all of this stuff. And so, and to, to fast forward, like just to have, like I, I woke up this morning and I knew where my car was parked. I woke up this morning and I rolled over and I was sleeping next to a man that I recognized. I know him. We're married. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I knew, like I didn't have to like go through my mind like, oh God, who is this guy? Okay, so last night when the last thing I remember is this and blah, 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 and try to work it out and then like have to chew my own arm off to get out from underneath him so that I can find my car and get whatever. Like just life is simpler now, you know? Um, my ki- I know where my kids are. Like my daughter wants to call me when she hits the fan in her own life. Like she knows that I'm I'm trustworthy and I'm reliable and and, and I'm going to be sober at 3 a.m. when she calls me from college drunk, you know, or whatever, that if she tells me she's in trouble and she needs me, that I'm going to get in the car and go and, and help her. Um, and I have her, you know, and her friends know that too. Um, I don't know. It's just this incredible life, right, that, that I wouldn't mm-hmm. have even wanted. I wouldn't have even wanted it when I got sober. Like, if you told me that my life was going to be like this, I would have been like, um, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm actually all set. Thank you so much. But it's incredible. So I'm just quickly, uh, you said you were talking about Harmony Hobbs. That's scarymommy.com, right? No. Harmony Hobbs oh. is, um, oh, God, uh, poops. No, Jill Smokler is, is Scary Mommy. I love her, too. Um, no, Harmony well, Hobbs Well, I'm, I'm is... looking at it now, and it's saying it's Harmony Hobbs because she's definitely not sober. She's just, I was just looking at a post where it's just the whole, like, I'm a mom, therefore I I need to drink. Don't challenge me. Oh, no, that's probably scary. Scary mommy. That's Jill Smokler. How many Hobbs is definitely sober? Hold on one second. Oh, um, okay. Because I kind of just hate that motherhood stuff where it's like, oh, is it nine o'clock? Yeah, I'm just like, oh, please get over yourself. I know. No, she's modern mommy madness. Modern mommy There's two how many Hobbs? That's a really unusual <laughs> It is. She's mommy, modern mommy madness, uh, dot com. Okay. Okay. But so check out yeah, she was modern just, she was, mommy madness. She was, yeah. She was just on, yeah. um, like the today show or something like talking about, um, her journey that like through, 
the drinking and the mommy drink, like mommy juice and all that stuff. And now you okay, know, she's allowed yeah, us into, yeah. into her living room while she gets sober. And it's just, it's been really incredible to, um, I just love her. I love reading her stuff. Cause I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Sometimes it sucks. Yep. You know, like, and feeling like, what are they, that there's that saying, like the good news is now that I'm sober, I have to feel, I can feel everything. And the bad news is now that I'm sober, I have to feel everything. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Feelings are like the good news and the bad news. And so, um, you know, but it's, I don't know. I'm, it's, I think it's amazing that we can actually be like help like walk with somebody in their journey um, via their blog. I think that's absolutely incredible. Plus the fact that she, I think she was, um, from what I've read a little bit of um, and conversations with her that she was very um, not typical. I don't want to say typical mommy blogger because that's not fair, but she was very like open about the wine and talking about the wine. And like, you know, I think that, that our society is so enmeshed in like motherhood equals, I have to have a bottle of wine. Like even yeah, this morning, I, know, I, was just, I know, I know, I was, I know. Oh, I was driving home from this meeting and on the radio this woman won something and she's like what are you up to today and she's like oh I'm just waiting for my my son to get off the bus and the radio announcer says oh you know how long is your kid in school and she says four hours and she said oh and now you have to go and pretend that you want to be there instead of like back at home wishing for six hours and another bottle of wine I'm like it's dude it's like friggin' 12 30 are you kidding like I, I don't know it's it's she's like yeah yeah like no like day drinking is not like what that's what yeah you should drink a bottle of wine and then go pick up your son from camp or whatever like what are we selling here I don't know um and we can have we could have an entire uh, we could have an entire hour podcast about that because I can't the, the amount of women who are wondering if they're drinking too much wine and then being like encouraged to do so well on yeah. like one hand worried that they're doing it you know that it's becoming a problem and then on the other hand being like encouraged to do it and being kind of uh convinced that everybody else is doing it it's so dangerous it's so dangerous yeah and i can't i can't even and even just being on the mommy blogger scene um you know we have a share group with for next life no kids um, and I, you know, I want to share everybody's memes. I want to share everybody's videos, but there are just certain ones that I can't do because I, I can't get behind the, the even jokes about, you know, day drinking, wine drinking, how to, I can't even, I can't, um, in good conscience, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, pr- uh, promote that, whatever that is. Um, and like, wasn't there was like T-shirts and wine glasses? Like, there was like a huge yeah, wine glass yeah. that said, "Like, I'm only having one." And like, oh, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, I hate all that stuff. Alcohol, alcohol is a beautiful thing, like for people who can handle it and all that stuff. However, like, we really yeah. are becoming a numb, a numb out kind of a society. Like, oh, I'm having yeah. a feeling. I'm gonna have to give me that. So, so we're just about out of time, and I think that that's a subject for another podcast. Really, I have a lot definitely. to say about like the normalization of abnormal drinking and and how accepted yeah. that is. So, um, so you can find Julie on uh, SoberMummies dot com, and uh, she has a Facebook page as well, SoberMummies. Um, you can find me on VeronicaValley dot com. Um, on I have a Facebook 
page Veronica Valley Recovery Rocks. And we'd love for you to get in contact with us and we're happy to answer any questions. We'll be doing another Q&A very soon where you can ask us anything and we will do give our best to answer it as uh, sober women in recovery. So uh, thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.